Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. As your pastor, I want every single one of you to live your best life of intimacy with Christ while you're here on earth. So let's look at another passage. Jesus tells us that he came to the earth to call sinners to repentance in the book of Luke, chapter number 5, starting in verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus tells us here in Luke's gospel that the reason he stepped out of heaven and came to this earth was not to build an earthly empire the way the Romans had built. It was not to become an accomplished, popular, sought-after preacher. It was not to build earthly wealth for himself. But Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Luke here that the reason that he stepped out of heaven and came to earth was to call sinners to repentance. That was his purpose. That was his why. That was the basis of why he stepped out of heaven and came to this earth. And in order to identify the fruit of repentance, I think we need to first define what repentance is. And so repentance is to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. That's what repentance means. Thomas Watson, a 17th century minister, defined repentance in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, as this, a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. So repentance is inwardly humbled, but visibly reformed. 2 Timothy 2.5 says, Opponents must gently or must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Genuine repentance leads us to the truth, wherever that truth may lead. So three signs of repentance or three signs of a repentant Heart. Number one, a heart of repentance produces deep sorrow over our sin. A heart of repentance produces a deep sorrow over our sin. 2 Corinthians 7, 10 in the Amplified says this, For godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe, produces death. A heart of repentance produces a feeling of remorse for our sin. We feel hurt because our sin hurt the heart of God, okay? I, I, I don't understand a Christian that can walk in sin and it doesn't affect them at all. It doesn't produce any grief. It doesn't produce any sorrow. It doesn't produce any conviction. Uh, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a part of me that questions the validity of their faith when nothing happens when they're actively living in sin. The word sorrow here that Paul uses is the Greek word lupe and means a state of unhappiness 
marked by regret as a result of what has been done. So what Paul is saying here is that you cannot live a truly happy life if you are actively walking in sin, but consider yourself a follower of Jesus. When you sin against the Father, whether that be lying to someone, missing the mark when it comes to God's plan for sexuality, or gossip, or anything else, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you will feel a sense of grief and remorse and conviction over what you've done. And that grief and remorse and sorrow produce in us a repentance that leads to reclaiming intimacy with the Father. Because all of this at the end of the day is not about rules and regulations, but it's about being in right relationship with the Father. It's about being in right alignment with the Father. And sin, it messes that alignment between us and the Father. It messes it all up. If you have a relationship with Jesus and are striving to follow him, there is no way that you can be actively sinning and not feel a sense of remorse or grief or sorrow. Okay, church? A person who feels conviction but denies it and acts on it anyway, that is a person with an unrepentant heart. And hear this, the longer you don't respond to the sorrow the harder your heart gets towards God. The longer you deny it, the longer you avoid it, the longer you, you, you just push it off to the side, the harder your heart gets towards God. And what happens when your heart gets hard towards someone? Well, you lose the desire to continue a relationship with them. When your heart grows cold towards someone else, okay, maybe you're dating someone, and, and at first it was... It was awesome. At first, you could talk about anything, and then you noticed that maybe they don't iron their clothes, and you know, you're coming, and their clothes are all wrinkled, and then maybe you noticed that, man, they didn't pop a mint in their mouth before they came and, and hung out with you, and you can smell their bad breath, and then maybe you feel like, ah, what, what used to, you, you felt really awesome about the constant phone calls, now you feel kind of annoyed. And, and your heart starts to grow cold towards that person. And what happens? You lose that desire to be with them. You lose that desire to want relationship with that person. And so that's exactly what happens in our relationship with God when we don't respond to the conviction in our hearts. Amen. This can apply if we have sinned against someone else. Also, repentance involves a feeling, a sense of sorrow and remorse for hurting someone else or breaking their trust or disrespecting them or whatever you have done to sin against your brother or sister. A person who is repentant is cut to the heart for what they've done to someone else. There's a pain involved because of the pain you caused someone else. I'll go as far as to say we should be appalled by the sin we commit towards God or towards our fellow brothers and sisters. When we understand what Christ had to go through in order to suffer or in order to offer grace for our sins and mercy for our judgment, sinning against Him should horrify us. When we understand everything Jesus had to go through to give us that undeserved favor, mercy for what we deserve, when we understand that it should horrify us when we do anything that would hurt his heart, 
When we, do, when we would do anything that would break his heart, it should horrify us. A couple months ago, I was uh, feeling convicted about something that I did, and it wasn't a sin thing, but I felt like I needed to confess to my wife about tell my wife about it. But I was fearful of what she would think, and I was honestly a little bit embarrassed. But I, and I started, and I fought that, that feeling of sorrow, that feeling of guilt and conviction for a while, but it just would not leave me. So finally, I just confessed to her what I had done. And uh, once I did that, once I got it off my chest, I felt so much better. Okay? I'm not going to tell you what it is, but <laughs> that's between me and my wife. But, but when we release that thing that we're holding on to, when we're feeling that sorrow, when we're feeling that conviction, when we're feeling all of those things, man, it's, when we do it, it feels like there's a weight that's just lifted off of us. And we can, you know, it feels like when we have luggage and we're carrying it, we can let go of that luggage and just walk without anything. That's how it feels. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm uh, 51, 17. Uh, after the prophet Nathan confronted him, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, then had him killed in battle in order to cover up everything that was going on, uh, and, then, and then the prophet confronted him. Listen to what uh, David uh, uh, wrote in Psalm uh, 51, 17. He says this, My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin, thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. Number two, a heart of repentance produces a turning to God. A heart of repentance produces a turning to God. Acts 3.19 says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Our repentance should not be done because we were caught or because we want to get out of trouble. Okay? Our repentance should come from a place of us wanting to get our hearts right before God because we love Him and we are disgusted by what we've done. That's, that's where our repentance should come from. It should come from a place of recovering our relationship with God. True biblical repentance isn't just a matter of staying away from sinful activities. There's no power in that. True biblical repentance is a turning towards God and His grace in our lives. Repentance begins with turning our heart to God, not turning away from sin. Why is this important to distinguish? Because like I mentioned earlier, this is not just a rules and regulation thing. This is a relationship thing. Another way to say it is this. Turning to God always precedes turning away from whatever sin or sins that we're actively engaged in. It's when we turn our heart to God that we then receive the inspiration and power to rid ourselves of the things that are separating us from Him. Amen? It's when we see the beauty of Christ that we are then able to confess our sins to Him. It's when we see the beauty of Christ that we are able to see the ugliness of our heart and we're then given the power to let those things go. And true confession is not just this general, God, forgive me for all of my sins, okay? True confession is getting specific with what sins we have committed. 
God, forgive me for going off on my spouse again in anger. Okay? God, forgive me for looking at pornography and objectifying women and possibly contributing to sex trafficking because of my choices. Okay? God, forgive me for uh, lying to, to so-and-so because I wanted to stay out of trouble. Whatever it may be, true confession is not a generic general thing. True confession is, is going to God and being specific with how we've missed the mark. Being specific with how we've fallen short. Amen? Amen? True repentance involves confessing our sins to God and being very, very specific about the sins we are confessing. Those of you who are parents uh, in here uh, will appreciate this. How many of you have, have ever gotten after your child for doing something and, and you've asked them to apologize, right? And after they've apologized, you ask them, do you understand what you're sorry for? Do you understand what you've apolo you're apologizing for? And they look at you and say, no, you told me to apologize, so I did it. How many of you parents let that go? I know me, I do not, absolutely do not let that go. I do not let them move on with life until they have fully understood why it is I'm asking them to apologize. You were mean to your sister. That's why you are apologizing. I told you not to do this, and you did it anyway, and that's why I do not let life go on until they know exactly what they've done, okay? And so when we repent, when we confess our sins, don't just, don't, don't just cop out and say, God, forgive me for what I've done. No, you know exactly what you did. You know exactly what you did, and God does too, so you might as well specifically admit it, amen? All right, number three, a heart of repentance produces a transformation of behavior. Yeah. This is big. This is important. A heart of repentance produces a transformation of behavior. The body of Christ right now is incredibly sensitive and in general vehemently opposed to legalism. Okay? mostly because they may have grown up in a super legalistic church or a super legalistic home, an environment where makeup was a sin, uh, skirts uh, that didn't touch your ankles were a sin, any sort of movie was a sin, whatever. whatever. There are people that have, have, have grown up in super legalistic environments, and so now they feel like they're free from that culture and that environment. The problem with this is that in an effort to not be legalistic, many Christians have become compromising and unholy in their lifestyle. In, in, a, in an effort to, to, to not be legalistic, they've actually resorted to walking in uh, things that are contrary to God's word. Okay, The pendulum has swung completely in the other direction, and I think we need to balance some things out. God has been speaking to me about uh, writing a message and defining what legalism actually is because I think we have a lot of confusion in the body of Christ about what legalism is and isn't, okay? So we have taken the freedom. Let me give you some examples. We have taken the freedom to express ourselves by the way we dress so far that we have thrown out the scripture that talk about modesty and honoring God with our bodies, okay? The Bible still talks about those things. We have made love the ultimate thing in our culture, and in doing so, we have elevated love over an obedience to God's word in many ways. 
We have Christians usually using language that is culturally inappropriate and vulgar and justifying it by saying that they're not legalistic in what they say. Well, Paul tells us in Colossians to let our conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that we can be a witness to those who don't know Christ. Then he says in Ephesians to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up. I don't know about you, but dropping the F-bomb isn't building anybody up. (laughs) Calling someone the B-word, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's very seasoned with salt or grace. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Uh, Genuine repentance results in a transformation of character, which results in a transformation of behavior. Okay, genuine repentance results in a transformation of character, which then results in a transformation of behavior. Repentance isn't just asking God to forgive my sins so that I can go to heaven. That's not what repentance is. Repentance isn't just lip service. It involves action. It involves commitment. Repentance doesn't just end at sorrow or guilt. It always leads to a transformation of behavior. Repentance, you, you don't find the word repentance a lot in the Old Testament, but, when you, but the, word, uh, the Hebrew word for repentance in the Old Testament is turn. Okay, So repentance involves turning from what you're currently doing into what God wants you to do. Okay? Turning from your wicked ways and turning towards the righteous ways and the righteous plans that God has for you. How many of you remember as a child singing the song about Zacchaeus and Children's Church? <laughs> Most of you? Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? Come on! And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Shouldn't I be the worship leader? And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to Broadway with that. Anyways, in that story, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector who happened to be very rich. And I don't have time to go into it fully and explain it fully, but the way he got rich was exploiting the Jewish people and squeezing money out of them. Uh, Zacchaeus was in cahoots with the Roman government, and so through uh, corruptible ways, he was... He, he got money out of, Jew, out of the Jewish people, and so he was Jewish himself, but he was considered a sellout. He was an outcast, and he was very hated uh, because of, of the way he got wealthy. But Zacchaeus had a salvation encounter with Christ, and here was the result of his repentance. And, and we can read it in Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse number nine. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If we have sinned against someone else, taken advantage of someone else, exploited someone else in any way true repentance means if you have 
the power to do so. Make amends for what you've done. Make amends for the things that you have done to other people. Repentance means that you are willing to take responsibility for your actions that have hurt other people. And most of the time, making amends can simply mean saying, I'm sorry, taking responsibility for it and apologizing for it, right? Having a healthy marriage takes both spouses constantly apologizing to each other for hurting one another, right? That's what, that's what a healthy marriage consists of, truly healthy marriage. Uh, it's saying to the person that you wronged, I'm not going to just feel sorry for what I've done. I'm going to look you in the eyes and genuinely, with authenticity, say, I am sorry for what I've done. I am wrong in this situation, and will you forgive me? But sometimes making amends means paying something back like Zacchaeus, yeah. right? Uh, if you've stolen something from someone, you need to repay what you've stolen, right? <laughs> it's not okay to just say, I'm sorry. You need to give that thing you stole back or pay that thing that you stole back from that. That's what making amends means from that perspective. Uh, listen to what John says in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter number 9, starting with verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. In this vision that John had and wrote down in the book of Revelation, how did he know that mankind had not repented yet? Because of their actions. They were still worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood. They were still murdering people and engaging in sexual immorality and stealing from people. That's how he could tell. That's why he said they still haven't repented because they're still doing these things. Repentance equals a radical change in behavior. The fruit of true repentance always means a change right. in behavior, a change in what we're doing, a turning of what we're doing. If I could have the worship team come up, and I know and I understand this fully, as believers, we are in, we are a work in progress, okay? And that work does not end until we die, okay? It's a constant state of, of the Holy Spirit bringing things to the attention of our heart and minds. It's, it's, it's when we react a certain way at work and we're like, wow, I didn't realize I had that in my heart. It's, it's when we have certain thoughts come into our head and we're like, wow, I, I can't believe I, I'm having these thoughts. It's a constant, it, it's, a con, it's called sanctification. It's a constant process of the Spirit helping us and molding us and shaping us into a, a more and more like Jesus, more and more into the image of God, okay? And, 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 I, and I don't expect perfection. I'm far from perfect. You can ask my wife. But the Spirit of God is constantly challenging me. The Spirit of God is constantly convicting me. The Spirit of God is constantly showing me areas of my heart that I have not fully given over to God. 
areas over my heart, areas in my heart where those affections are affecting my relationship and my affection for Jesus. Areas of my heart where Jesus isn't enough. That, that, that I'm leaning on and depending on certain relationships or certain things in my heart. And, and I'm not trusting Jesus in those areas. Or I'm not fully satisfied with Jesus in those areas. And I know that as believers we're a work in progress. But there should be some visible, tangible, bona fide changes taking place once we meet Jesus. And it doesn't just end once we have that salvation experience. All throughout our lives, we, we should see areas that, man, we need to take to the altar. Man, we need to work on this area. I didn't respond well in this area. I, I, have, I have some ugliness that came up in my heart that I need to go to God with and repent of. It, it, it's, it's, it's a lifelong thing that never ends. But man, if we're repenting of something, there, there should be some progress in that area. Because we are, we are making a decision to turn from that thing, right? We're, we're making a mindful decision in the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm not gonna continue doing that. I'm not going to continue walking in that way. I'm not going to continue to respond in that way. I'm going to turn. If nothing has changed in our outward behavior once we get saved, if nothing at all changes in our outward behavior, I would question if anything inwardly actually happened. And like I told you at the beginning of the message, I can't tell you if what's going on with Kanye West is genuine or not. All we can see is the fruit of our lives. All others can see is the fruit of our lives. How are we loving people? How are we serving people? How are we growing in our faith and our love and affection for Jesus? That's all that we can, that's all we can see. But man, if there is nothing, if there's nothing that's changing on the outside, is there anything really going on in the inside? right? James eloquently tells us in the book that he wrote, faith without works is dead. We need both. Obviously, we are saved by faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, but he has saved us to do good works. He has saved us in order to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, okay? And so, and so it takes both things working in our hearts and working in our lives. And that is what repentance looks like, okay? It's all of these three things working together. It's turning to God. It's feeling a deep sense of sorrow. And it's a transformation of our behavior and our lifestyle and our thoughts and our actions and all of those things together. Amen?